0: Welcome to episode 206 of the Zay Acoma Podcast. It's your boy, Mrs. ZCP from the 863, aka Mrs. Acoma, aka Polk County's number one podcast star. And we're back with episode th- four of this new series that we're doing. Of course, obviously, we're doing an off-season re- review of the Some would say the best teams in the NBA. Some would say the worst teams in the NBA. I say all the teams in the NBA. I know. We're not the best start to this up to a podcast ever um but straightforward um this is probably going to be the most um average mid if you like it's probably in the more um appropriate terminology for this section of the podcast because None of these teams, I think, again, except for maybe the Denver Nuggets, have a legitimate, genuine chance of winning a championship. And that kind of either a chance of championship or a chance of major improvement. I don't think a team, any team in in this uh, section, is going to be a major improvement, except for maybe the Dallas Mavericks. I think they have a slight improvement. I I wouldn't say major. Um, but like three of the five teams in this in today's episode. Basically, did nothing in the off season. Like, we're gonna go over it, and aside from some one year flyer deals, nothing really moved me about this. Um, about the off seasons these teams had. And spoiler alert: we're specifically talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, might even can say the same thing about the Denver Nuggets, but. Definitely the New Orleans Pelicans in this episode. You're going to hear me say. Whew, I almost want to start with the Pelicans first, but I'm you know, we're going to stick to the order and we're going to start probably with the most positive one of the offseason um, with the Dallas Mavericks, a team that, you know, before this series actually started, I was preaching this team, them and the Dallas Mavericks all right, sorry, them and the Los Angeles Lakers won the offseason in the Western Conference. Those two teams took getting better serious. They identified holes that identified their biggest big missing pieces, and they were able to snag said missing pieces. Obviously, the Lakers was just bringing their guys back. Dallas, they were able to flip, you know, some of their um, lesser value players on the roster and were able to get some quality pieces back. Now, you know, obviously – Comes with a cost. They obviously had to sw- swap first round picks to uh, get um off the contract of one Davis Bertans. But they were able to get back in that trade. Derek Lively, obviously, who um was a draft pick of theirs or of OKC's. Um, but I think it was, like I said, the perfect fit, perfect need for them. I don't think taking Casey Wallace would have been the answer um, simply because, you know, Luke and Kyrie are going to be guys that play 40-plus minutes a night. So the point guard position, the backup point guard position is definitely not a, a need as much as a, just a insurance to have, to be honest with you. Um, but they were able to secure some quality pieces in the front court. I think Grant Williams is a significant upgrade from Davis Bretons, a guy that can shoot 40% from three but also play really good defense very very valuable in today's nba um another guy i think is a very underrated pickup for them rashawn holmes a guy that basically rotted on the sacramento king's bench last year which sucked because i think rashawn holmes genuinely can make a major impact on both ends of the floor a guy that's you know highly efficient low volume um big man who can give you a block and a half in maybe 20 25 minutes um, and he's going to play some minutes on this Dallas Mavericks team because I don't see how how much longer Dwight Powell um, is the center option in Dallas. Rumor is that they're in in line for Clint Capella as well. I would personally like to see that for both sides. I think you know Clint Capella in Atlanta is kind of run its course, and and Yeka will literally. His growth has been stunted from the fact that Click Pella is a, such a good center that you can't bench him but not good enough to build around. Um, And it's kind of unfortunate for, that, for the Atlanta Hawks in that situation. But Dallas, I think there's a perfect line there because Derek Lively, I don't think, is the center of the future for the Dallas Mavericks. I think he's solid and will work for the next couple of years, but I don't see him being like a top 10 center in, in today's game. Um, but Clint Capella, I think is somebody who can crack top 10, top 15, um, in most people lists might even crack mine In mine in my list in the next couple of weeks. Spoiler alert, we're going to be doing petition uh, rankings. Um, but I'm very much intrigued by the Dallas Mavericks state. Like I said, they added three really, really solid, uh, front court pieces this off season. And we're able to get um security services of Seth Curry on a fairly cheap uh contract, about five million a year, um, which like I said, for Seth Curry, a guy that you know can get you twelve, thirteen off the bench as a really elite level three point shooter, I think is an excellent get and for Dallas, and it kind of, like I said, it it shores up the fact that you have guards that can play. If, you know, the inevitability of Kyrie being out or maybe Lucas out five, ten games at a time, um, Seth Curry could come right in and produce. Now, of course, like I said, they lost a few pieces in the offseason. None that I really thought were super important. Obviously, Reggie Bullock was a starter for them, but he was essentially a corner three-point shooter. You can replace that production, especially if you're, you're play, replacing it with Grant Williams, who's an expeditiously better uh better defender, um, Justin Holiday, same thing, a guy that's, was mostly just a corner threat for them, but again, you're replacing that with Seth Curry, I think that's, like I said, in my opinion, I think it's a much, uh, bigger grab, and they were able to get Dante Exa back in the NBA, which I thought was a pretty, uh, um, a personal, a personally fun move for me, um, like I said, uh, Dante was a guy that I kind of thought uh, thought would have been, you know, one of those those guys, six, 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 seven point guards that could do everything. But unfortunately, that didn't pan out. Um, he's essentially replacing Frank Ntilikina as a guy that gets spot minutes who can play defense. That's basically what it is. Um, and like I said, they they saw guys that they had last year fill those same roles, but with upgrades. And I think that was the 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 Important piece was to go out and get upgrades for basically the same. Like I said, Davidson, Berton, and Grant Williams sort of the same player, but Grant Williams, obviously, much better defender. Um, Seth Curry and Justin Holiday have the same primary role, but Seth Curry, I think, is the much better shooter, which again, like I said, that makes sense. Rashawn Holmes and, uh, well, I guess Rashawn Holmes is like the big piece because, like I said, they had zero paint protection last year. Like I said, him and Derek Lively are are two, and potentially Click Capella as well, are three really, really, really solid upgrades when it comes to, like I said, one of the worst paint-protecting teams uh, in basketball last year. And like I said, that's going to be up a lot due to the fact, like I said, Rashawn Holmes, Derek Lively, and potentially Click Capella are all three guys that can really play defense and play it at a very high level. Okay, so we're going to get into now the Brooklyn Nets. Ooh, we just talked about them losing Seth Curry. The Nets had a pretty underwhelming offseason, aside from, of course, retaining the rights to Cam Johnson. Like I said, that was a really, really big get, and honestly, it hurt my heart. as a Detroit Pistons fan who really wanted Cam, Tom, uh, Cam Johnson. But overall, the Brooklyn Nets, when it comes to adds and subtracts, they really did not get a ton of, of of watch. I think Dennis Smith Jr. might have been the their best pickup by far. And Lonnie Walker when he is on. He is on. And I think that's a, another solid grab off the bench for the Brooklyn Nets. But like Darius Basley and Trent Wofford, I don't see getting a ton of PT on the Brooklyn Nets whatsoever. And they were they lost plenty of guys who were getting PT for them. Utah, uh Utah Watanabe. Uh, Seth Curry, Joe Ingles, uh, Joe Ingles, Joe Harris, um, Patty Mills, guys like that were really big for the Brooklyn Nets for the last couple of years, and losing all of those guys to mostly contenders, specifically with uh Yuta and, and Seth Curry, I think was a really tough blow to Brooklyn. Um, Joe Harris. I think it was, like I said, he was probably the, the mainstay for the Brooklyn Nets. Probably, I think since 2016, he was on that. Um So he, had, he would, had been there for a while, had basically grown his game there, became one of the best three-point shooters in basketball. Unfortunately, injuries kind of set him back a while. Um, sadly, because like he was, he was going to be what, probably the starting two of that championship team in Brooklyn. Which is crazy to say that out loud, but he potentially could have been that starting two, like with the KD and Kyrie um, duo when they when they first got Ben. I think Kyrie, Joe, KD, Ben, and Clax, I think could have been a very, very decent starting five for a title, a title contender. But as it stands in Brooklyn, I think they're still very much a playoff team. Mikael Bridges is going to take that next step this year. Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is still a really good uh, point guard and a good enough point guard to lead a playoff team. Um, Clax is probably going to take another jump this year, especially in a contract year. Um, and hopefully some of those young guys, man, Cam Thomas get some rub. Like hope, hopefully, um, guys like, De- uh, Daron Sharp. I think were two guys that really, really, I think showed into again, in spot minutes, but minutes nonetheless, that they could be really solid players in the NBA. Um, I hope that uh, Duron Sharp gets some tick this year because I don't see a ton of of front court depth in Brooklyn in Brooklyn right now. Like I so said, we mentioned Darius Bailey earlier, obviously Nic- uh, Nicholas Claxton, but there really isn't a ton of center depth in Brooklyn right now, and that's kind of frightening because you know a team that like I said they they don't have the greatest shooters in the world right now to play five out basketball, um especially in the front court. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, is solid enough, but if Dorian, Dorian Finney-Smith is essentially your backup five, like I said, you're going to have a lot of matchup nightmares if you're the Brooklyn Nets, so hopefully, like I said, that's something that they correct. Um, Not saying that they have to make any tr- moves, like, I'm not saying Clint Capella is in their future, but, like, there's in, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked about that set so, of uh, Center positions back up or starting because, like I said, Claxton's a free agent. Um, next season, unless he's extended, he's going to be a free agent, and that's kind of scary for Brooklyn because there's going to be teams that throw some money at Nicholas Claxton because of how good he is right now. Whew. This one's probably oh, I don't think I've even given ratings for the Mavericks. I gave an A minus for the Brooklyn Nets, I gave it a B minus. Uh, B-. I mean. Um, like I said, they didn't have a bad off season, it was just more mostly boring. Um, and losing a couple of those guys to contenders kinda hurt. This one's probably gonna be my most controversial one. And it's a team that I actually loved. A team that I was excited that won an NBA championship, but Denver Nuggets, man. Um This a free agency specifically because I know their draft, they had an A-plus draft. I graded them an A-plus because uh, to, me, to me, them and Houston won the draft this year. Detroit, I think is an honorable mention, but Denver and Houston for sure is two teams that really won the draft. Um, and it's an honest-to-God shame that Denver could not pick up in free agency. A St- uh, couple of key pieces. Like, in and I'm saying this now because Denver's entire um, repeat journey is going to be based off development. What they got out of Bruce, Bruce Brown last year, they're going to have to get twice as much out of Christian Brown and Peyton Watson and Hunter Tyson and Julian Strother, um, and Jalen Pickett. Like I said, those guys are going to have to play significantly better than their predecessors like Ish Smith or Thomas Bryant or Bruce Brown, or Jeff Green. They're going to have to play those roles to perfection to, for, for any chance of a repeat. Because, like I said, I love Jokic, but it's going to be difficult for Jokic to play any better than he did the last playoffs. Same with Jamal Murray. Um, KCP's going to have to c- continue his run. Aaron Gordon's going to have to make an all-star jump this year. Michael Porter Jr. has to show something this season. 'Cause I think this is probably the last year of Michael Porter Jr., you know, them being pretty lenient with his his play. Because I, I think it, right now, Bruce he definitely seems like the eye of man out. Sorry, my uh Michael Porter Jr. seems like the eye of man out in this situation with the Denver Nuggets. And they could probably find an upgrade somewhere. Um, overall, I gave this a C minus. Uh, um they got Justin Holiday, which again Good enough pickup as a veteran, you know, why not a guy that can spot up in the corner? He's going to get a lot of open threes, thanks to Nicole Jokic. But realistically, is the Denver Nuggets that much better than what they were last year? Losing, like I said, they lost three key rotation pieces for them last year in Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Thomas Bryant. Um, and they, like I said, a lot of the rest of this is based on development. They're going to have to develop another three point shooter. I'm sure Hunter Tyson's probably going to be the guy that they work out with that or work on with that. Um, defense, defense, defense. They're going to have to preach. Christian Brown, I think, was a positive defender as a rookie last year. Um, Peyton Watson, I think, has the potential has the potential to be a really good defender in the NBA. It's all just, it's like I said, you what you practice, you have to preach. And I like I said, they're going to have to preach that this this season in order for me to believe and be for them to be a believable contender again this year. Um, Next with the Indiana Pacers, though, a team that I think is going to be on the rise. Unfortunately, like I said, they kind of had a pretty mundane offseason. Like I said, a B minus there, um, which isn't uh, and for the Denver Nuggets. I gave a C minus also. Like I said, that's going to be my controversial one for this season. But the Indiana Pacers, they gave a B minus. It's kind of a redundant off season. I I think they had slight upgrades in my opinion. Not terribly great upgrades. Like Bruce Bryan, I think is a slight upgrade from uh, Chris Dorte, mostly because I like Chris Dorte. Obi Toppin is a slight upgrade from O'Shea Brissett, mostly because Obi Toppin still has that potential thing leaning over him as a top ten pick. Um, those guys, I think, is it. They gave Tyrese Halliburton everything he wants. He they gave him defenders, they gave him shooters, they gave him lob threats. Tyrese Halliburton is going to have to be the leader, uh, a leader of a playoff team in Indiana. Otherwise, there's going to be questions to ask. And again, this is as somebody who says who's Tyrese Halliburton is probably one of his favorite players in the NBA because he has one of the highest IQs in the NBA, um, and is not playing terribly um bad in the uh, the FIFA World Cup right now. Um but the Indiana Pacers have like said, they have this thing where it's like last year they were so close to being a playoff team, it's not even funny. They were a playoff team before Tyrese Halliburton went down with the ankle injury, and everything just went all the way downhill since then. Um like I said they, they didn't lose anything terrible in the offseason because of Crystal Orte they traded for a couple of second round picks um he wasn't he, had, he was barely in the rotation anyway he was mostly injured but even when he came back he would he never really found his niche O'Shea Persett was always a guy that I feel like you know he needed a more veteran team around him because like him just being on teams that's sitting in the lottery although as a solid player him just playing on teams that's in the lottery is not really going to up his reputation he's going to have to show in Boston that he's the same guy that was, you know, getting 30-point games in Indiana. We're even having really solid highlight moments in doing when he was in Toronto as well. Like I said, he's going to have to really show with the Boston Celtics that he's basically the same player. He's going to be the same player. He can be a Grant Williams sort of replacement as a 3 and d uh, monster. And finally, New Orleans Pelicans, man. I feel like the, with the other four teams that we've talked about in this episode, context doesn't terribly matter. Like, it doesn't terribly matter. This team, context absolutely matters because here we go. Brandon Ingram has already been shopped heavily by the Charlotte Hornets. Or, sorry, by the New Orleans Pelicans. Charlotte Hornets was a team that what they were looking at. Obviously, they took Brandon Miller, so maybe that's not the, the move anymore. But Ingram was a team that the Pelicans were taking calls for. Zion Williamson obviously has had his moments in off season. whether it's on the court, off the court, whatever. That's beyond my business. Zion Williamson on the court for what it's worth, is a franchise player. But you have to build around said franchise player. Now, again, the Pelicans, I think, are a really solid development team. Obviously, Jose Al- uh, Alvarado, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall. Um, those are guys that have played really well under the Pelicans' banner, um, and were all relatively you know, unknown names prior to their stint in New Orleans. Herb Jones was a second-round pick, but you you get my point. So the Pelicans currently consist of Zion Williamson, who has his situations going on right now. Brandon Ingram, who is, you know, pretty unhappy about the unhappy right now about Team USA, but has been unhappy about the situation currently going on in New Orleans. And not a ton else to build, man. C.J. McCollum I love, but it is kind of not C.J. McCollum anymore. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, I think, is pretty much one of the more redundant centers in basketball. He's a guy that's going to give you a double-double and is going to give up a double-double every single night. Um, and I don't think that bench is enough to win it. to, to be a serious contending team. Like I said, Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, those guys, those are young guys that I really like how they play. Um, Najee Marshall as well, uh, but it just isn't, again, same similar with the Denver Nuggets, but the Denver Nuggets at least have a championship to fall back on. The Pelicans were a play-in team last year. If, let's just say hypothetically, Zion Williamson misses another, like, 35 40 games this year. Heck, if he misses the season. The New Orleans Pelicans have to blow it up. I don't see them getting a superstar uh, the, like Giannis ain't coming to New Orleans for gumbo. Basically what I'm saying. You're not getting Embiid, you're not getting Giannis, you're not getting what's another star that might request a tr- uh that might be up. Um you're not getting Mitchell. Probably not getting Jalen Brown. Like, those aren't guys that I see New Orleans getting this offseason. So, or in this offseason, next offseason, or ain't really any offseason. So, but again, you're going to have to blow it up. Zion's going to have to go. Ingram's going to have to go. McCollum's going to have to go. Valentino's is going to have to go. You need something around your young guys. Dyson Daniels is going to be the future of this franchise, whether good or bad. He's going to have to be the, their focal, their priority for the next couple of years, because I think I think he can be a solid player similar to what we talked about with Dante Exum earlier. It was, you know, potential of a six, 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 seven guard that can do everything that can score, that can play, and make that can defend, that can rebound, that can lead, shoot pretty efficiently like a, a, that's something I believe in Dyson Daniels that he can do. It's just for the simple fact that I don't think he's going to get enough run in New Orleans for people to care about Dyson Daniels, simply because there's so much surrounding Brandon Ingram right now and Zion Williamson. Um, we've talked about Valanchunas, like I said, one of the more redundant guys in basketball, CJ McCollum. Kind of the same thing, but on the perimeter. Um, conversations are going to have to be had about the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason before – this season, before I can take them serious again, because like I said, when they were playing Phoenix in the first round and taking them to six without Zion, I think that was probably the peak of the New Orleans Pelicans franchise, and then I think everything has plateaued since then. Like I'm not taking Ingram um serious right now; he's playing absolute dog water in in a uh, Team USA right now, which is unfortunate because I thought he was going to be the main guy with the the from Team USA. But it looks like it's basically the Anthony Edwards and Austin Reeves show, from what I can see. Um, and it's it sucks because I really, really want a Brandon Ingram's breakout so bad, like top ten player breakout. <sighs> but like I said, hopefully with the New Orleans Pelicans, this is just a a bump in the road off season. They can still get back. They got like I said, hopefully they can get a healthy Zion opening night. Brandon Ingram f- focused, and like I said, the rest of those young guys coming out to play because like it's, there's something something special when this Pelicans team is clicking, but it's been like three years yet now, and this team still isn't clicking. So like I said, conversations are absolutely going to be had about if this Pelicans team is really the best, best course of action short and long term. Like I said, this is a pretty short episode because, like I said, not a ton. Obviously, New Orleans made one move this off season, and that was re- uh, signing Cody Zeller. I know they drafted Jordan Hawkins, which I thought was a pretty good pick. But Cody Zeller being the one free agent that you sign makes this an F off season. I didn't give him an F, but it kind of gives off F vibes. Um, C minus to a D plus is actually what I gave it. C minus if, if, you know, they can get production. Uh value up from guys like Najee Marshall and um and Jose Alvarado. Like I said, those guys, I think, could potentially get this up to like a C minus to a C. But right now, this offseason is absolutely a turd for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, but yeah, if you missed the previous... 205 episodes of the Take Coming Podcast. You can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and of course right here on Spotify for podcasts. Until next time, I love you, you love me, let's love each other. Goodbye.